What's up, guys, and welcome to our untitled Mandalorian after show talk. Ta-da! <laughs> <laughs> we had, like, a year and a half to figure out a title and a format, and we didn't do any of that. So we're just going to talk about the show. I kind of think we should call it We Have Spoken. I like Mando Fando. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I think you threw out Mando lore at some point. Yeah, but... I mean, we're all learning the lore together. That's true. So we're, we're no experts. <laughs> so, well, so <laughs> uh, we're just going to go through the episode, talk about it bit by bit. Uh, first off, just general thoughts. Did you like it? Uh, well, I had to get up very early <laughs> to watch it. So already off to a bad start. But despite that... I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, you're right. We were both like, uh, pulling ourselves out of bed to go watch <laughs> this. But it, it was worth it. Had our coffee. We were good to go. Yeah. And yeah, I liked it even more than I thought that I would. Uh, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. Um, overall, so last night they released basically the first scene yes. of the first episode as like another sneak peek. And I was a little worried when I saw that clip last night, but then today watching in the episode, you could hear the music better. So something about it was just a little bit different, and it it all seemed better to me. Yeah, I mean, it was a truncated scene that they released last night, and they also showed that clip at Celebration, or mm -hmm. at least part of it. Um, but yeah, I think that my biggest worry about this series going into it was that it would just be very uh and i said this in my review surface level and not a whole lot of substance to it that it would just be about a cool guy in cool armor doing cool guy things and it was that for a little bit but not for long and i really really like uh the direction that they're going with some of this stuff if i'm right about it yeah i mean the the whole tone of the show to start out with is it got both of us hooked immediately, I think. Yeah. Well, let's get into the first scene, the first quarter, the first 10 minutes or so, uh, which I think was really heavy on, I, I don't know, people in the comments were kind of like, you said fan service a lot. And I don't know if that's what I mean. It was more just like what you expected. Just a bounty hunter doing bounty hunter cool guy things. And it was fun to watch. Uh but it probably was the weakest of the 10 minutes for me. Like, as the show went on, I got more and more and more interested. Yeah. Because, like, like, I think we talked about this before. The Mandalorian himself seemed, like, like too good to be true. Like, just he was going to just be good at everything and, like, sling, slinging... Gary Stu. Yeah, slinging guns and stuff like that. But as the episode goes on, you see him struggle a little bit and, like... Yeah, he's probably good at what he does, but, you know, it's hard work. Yeah, I, I get, like, the the first sequence I felt was predictable, where uh, he goes in and you see these guys roughing up this dude, and he comes in and kind of saves the guy, but I'm like, well, that's obviously his target. Mm -hmm. And I, some of that was given away in the trailers, so I don't want to be like, oh, I can just predict the show. <laughs> like, you, you could see that guy frozen in the trailers, yeah. Uh, but it still played out in a fun way. I liked his target's character, who was um, Horatio Sands, I think. Mm -hmm. 
lot of from SNL. Yeah, a lot of comedians in this show. We haven't gotten to Bill Burr yet, but Brian Posehn <laughs> was driving that speeder, and he pulled up, and we we're like, "Is that freaking Brian Posehn?" <laughs> that that was such a pleasant surprise because I know how much of a Star Wars fan he is. Yeah, I feel like John just has this catalog of nerdy comedian friends that he's gonna get in i bet Patton oswald will show up eventually oh, yes please <laughs> but i mean even though i felt it was a little predictable it was still cool to see we finally finally got to see that corn get cut in half by the door which they've been teasing that since april and now finally it's just well, the fact that there's a corn at all like that being able to see all the alien species just in the very first episode was really exciting. Like, the makeup looked really good. They all did look really good. The The CGI, it didn't look overdone. Like, of course, the blurgs are all CGI, but everything else looked really good. I still, like, I almost wish they hadn't shown anything at Celebration because it was all unfinished and the, the CGI wasn't done. And I remember seeing a blurg in that unfinished stuff and i was like oh no like star wars on a tv budget is uh (laughs) maybe gonna look rough and then like once trailers started coming out i was like okay that was for sure unfinished they didn't say it was unfinished publicly which was why i was a little worried but like everything in the show looks great yeah the makeup all the cgi and yeah the corin uh looked so good that's the first live action one we've seen like up close and I love little things like he grabs the guy by the tentacles to slam his head down into the bar. Like Practical. Yes. <laughs> like, not only are they just like, look, it's a Corrin, but also like, how can how would a bounty hunter beat a Corrin up? <laughs> like, <laughs> let's think about that for a second. Yeah. And I was, to be honest, I was a little nervous about the comedy aspect of the the his first bounty that he got the guy that he got um and all the like poop jokes <laughs> that oh, he was yeah. making there were there were a lot of refresher jokes <laughs> yeah i that made me a little bit nervous but i think it was just kind of like to ease you into this idea of him being a bounty hunter and like i don't know like the episode was equally heavy and light yeah it was a good balance i think and i i agree i think the beginning was to ease people in like this is basically what you were expecting from a bounty hunter show let's give you that yeah and show you a crazy new star wars creature it was like they were kind of checking boxes at the start which is fine well it also makes sense in the way that like the very first scene is like a really cool bar fight scene. So that gets adults hooked. And then the guy making jokes about <laughs> pooping. It's like, oh, that's kind of for kids. And so we're getting everybody hooked in. Yeah, I think that the first 10 minutes sufficiently got everyone hooked. Uh, it did. I don't know. I just it felt fan servicey, fan filmy to me just in that. Yeah, they were trying to kind of satisfy people quickly. I didn't and, feel that at all. Okay, then that was just me. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I think part of it is even just the nature of having the main character be in a mask. Uh, I mentioned this in some other places that it's a little harder to connect to a character like that. And it feels... That, that to me, just screams fan film. Just because we've seen so many fan films about stormtroopers and 
uh, bounty hunters and stuff. But he is the man with no name. And mm -hmm. I, I didn't really get that fan-filled vibe after the first scene. Uh, and even so, it was the best, most expensive fan film I'd ever seen. <laughs> it, it was very impressive. Uh, and like so I said, stop saying fan film. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> You're not allowed to say fan film or fan service anymore. Okay. So, uh, moving into the second quarter of the episode, I guess th that's when he's delivering the bounty. You get to learn a little more about uh, the Bounty Hunters Guild. We meet Grief Karga. Really liked Carl Weathers in it. Uh, wish he were in it more. Hope to see him a lot more in the rest of the series. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, the idea that... The, so the Mandalorian doesn't want Imperial credits. I don't know if that's because they don't spend. I mean, Grief said that they would. Or if he has a vendetta against the Imperials. Because, I mean, they I mean, did something to the Mandalorians. Yeah, I mean, I got the assumption that They'll spend, but not in the right places, maybe? I think there's that, but I don't know. I The Mandalorian was willing to take half the price uh, in calamari coins, which yeah, I liked. I was like, wait, wait, did he say calamari? <laughs> <laughs> Pay me in fried squid, please. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, the, they're little sand dollars. But yeah, he's willing to take half his bounty that to me just screams like, no, I'm not touching Imperial money, but then he's going to go take a job from Imperials, but he is desperate for money. So like, I don't know. I'm probably just reading too much into that, but they like give him the best scar back Werner Herzog and everything. And they talk about like the great purge and mm -hmm. I don't know. That scene was kind of tense for me. And not, like, in a good way. I don't know. I just was like, what's... Who are these people? What's happening? I wish that they, those characters had a little bit more set up. But I'm sure we'll get to know them in the next episode and so yeah. on. I mean, I, I think that we just need to know they're giving him Beskar. They're Imperials. They made that very clear. And mm -hmm. then when we get to the end of the episode, we'll talk about maybe what it is that they're after. Yeah, I think we're going to learn a lot more about them and what they want. Uh, Werner Herzog is fun in Star Wars. I like him. Yeah. I could just hear him talk about, like, midichlorians and, like, give, give him all the Star Wars words to say. He, uh, I think recently in an article I read, he saw, he mentioned that he didn't, he wasn't nervous working with um, John Favreau because he didn't know what other films he had done. <laughs> I I think yeah that was an article that came out today and I think there was one before where he's like I've I've never seen a Star War <laughs> I'm gonna do everything in a Warner Herzog voice I I like the uh, the nervous little scientist guy that kind of gets shoved around and he he like winces at the idea of the bounty being alive or mm -hmm. not he's like I'd prefer it if yeah we never discussed this yeah. But that, yeah, that part was interesting. And this is the last time I'll bring up Celebration, but they showed that scene at Celebration as well. And that was another one that made me a little nervous because, again, it wasn't done, but that one didn't have any effects in it. It was more that they just hadn't fully edited it. And like every shot lingered a little bit too long and felt weirdly paced. And 
in this cut it was much better and felt yeah more tense and like what's going on it's celebration it was really slow and Mm -hmm. just felt off but everything about the final product has been uh, a huge relief and uh, just made me excited yeah I want to jump back a second and talk about him walking through the town and just like it, it it reminded me of when we went to Galaxy's Edge. It just it felt exactly like Star Wars should feel and look. And that poor Kowakian monkey lizard having to watch what I have to assume is his best friend uh, being cooked on a stick. Yeah, like that was that was rough. Uh, those creatures are at the very least semi sentient. I would argue sentient. <laughs> And that surprised me. Yeah, uh, that's messed up. Uh, our condolences to Claire Stribling. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yes, I, I completely agree. The set design and everything, uh, all of the costumes, everything felt lived in, which is mm-hmm. a big thing term that gets thrown around with Star Wars. I loved the storm stormtrooper outfits and how they were like grungy and dirty, and like they've seen some stuff, and they're probably been pieced together. Yeah. So. It's something about, like, even the way that the armor fit, it looked like... Looked like it didn't fit. Right. It's like the people that were wearing them have lost weight, and it doesn't fit them quite right anymore. Like, really enhances the idea that the Empire is on hard times. Mm -hmm. Uh, After that scene with Werner Herzog, where the Mandalorian takes this new job, that is the point where he goes down some stairs... And you see other Mandalorians in this tunnel. And I was like, that's when I perked up and was really like, oh, this is going to get into some cool new stuff. Like, There's kids down there running around? Yeah. I couldn't tell. I tried to pause it, but they I couldn't tell if they were wearing tiny Mandalorian helmets. <laughs> I don't think they were. It's from their backs. They're wearing helmets of some kind. And I was like, do they just get those when they're toddlers? And it's like... Did Mandalorian parents get frustrated when they keep outgrowing their armor? Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, you didn't. That's they definitely don't get any Beskar until they're fully grown. Yeah, <laughs> this is your training armor. Yeah, uh, but yeah, the the idea that there is this little community of Mandalorians, uh, and they I, have that that uh, insignia like over where the blacksmith. Yeah, the the Mythosaur, which looked like it was made out of Beskar. But like, I was expecting the Mandalorian to be the Mandalorian in this show for the first season. I thought we'd explore Mandalorian stuff in season two a little more, but like, no, they just dove right in. And that's what excited me. I guess when I think about my expectations for this show, I was thinking everything would be a little smaller, Mm -hmm. the way that the animated shows tend to be a little more focused on like just Lothal or just Castellan. Uh, Clone Wars was the outlier there, but like Star Wars Rebels and Star Wars Resistance started small and then the world expanded in season two. I think the Mandalorian still might do that in a sense, but uh, it, it, it went a lot bigger in episode one than I was thinking it would, which just bumps my excitement up a, a whole a whole lot of levels. Yeah. And we also saw in uh, a Vanity Fair article that there there was a an interesting looking fellow in that tunnel that looked similar to 
Mr. Mr. Boba Fett. It did not. It's not Boba Fett. It's not. But I'm not. <laughs> for people who don't know right now, me and the Templin Institute uh, have a bet going on about whether or not Boba Fett is going to appear in this show. I'm guessing no. Uh, he is guessing yes. So that wasn't Boba Fett. Uh, check out that Vanity Fair article. They have the image like blown up and, and lightened and everything. But basically, it's just another like random guy in Mandalorian armor that the colors look similar. He looked more like Jodo Cast to me. Yeah, and he kind of like <laughs> does this same little like movement that Boba Fett does. I don't know. I think it was just a nod. Like there's going to be several. wink wink nudge nudge type things in this show and i think that might have been one of them i don't know yeah so he goes to this armorer uh which i don't i think it's funny that it's just like at the end of this tunnel open door like you just walk right in bring her some beskar and she'll make you some new armor and that's really cool yeah but that's when she was talking about this was taken from the great purge and what is that yeah it could mean order 66 like the jedi purge but I'm guessing that it's more Mandalorian-centric and something to do with when the Empire ruled there. I really hope we get to learn what happened to them after Star Wars Rebels. Last we saw, the Mandalorians were rising up against the Empire. I'm going to guess that didn't go so well mm. because the Mandalorians seem like they're on, like, on hard times. They're living underground in this small little community. At least this group is. Yeah. What do you think of that? I, I mean, I, I loved everything about the blacksmith. I want to know more about her. And I, you know, I perked up when I realized that it was a, a female blacksmith because we didn't see any female characters in the pilot. So to hear one was nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, her helmet was really cool. And then she, oh, she, she asks him about his... Um, symbol or what oh, yeah, it her, called? his signet i think signet and she asks if he has if it's been revealed yeah if it's been revealed yet and he said no she didn't seem to mind either she, way well, she was like it will be soon yeah it was like I, th- there's just so much going on in that one scene alone where they're like here the great purge is your signet revealed and i'm like what what does the signet mean and is that like this it might be. I'm not sure. Like that That's a piece of lore that is new to me. Uh, I, I'm guessing it's some sort of affiliation with a clan or a house. And I do tend to think that maybe we know at least someone that the Mandalorian is related to. We know he has a name. They have said that openly, and we just don't know it yet. So to me, that says maybe he's related to a familiar person. Mm-hmm. I like that he, it seemed like she got to choose what she was going to make out of that. Like, he just gave it to her. <laughs> yeah. She... I think it was like, uh, this is enough to make this. <laughs> Probably. but you, got, you can get a shoulder out of this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I liked the respect aspect that you could kind of feel in that scene between the two of them. And then the big part for me was the flashbacks. Because that was something that I had kind of called yeah. earlier. That was when we were watching the trailer and you see the, the super battle droids chasing this family and this kid. And in my mind, I was just like, oh, well, Separatist droids are still going to be around at this point. <laughs> like, I was thinking that this was in present day. And Molly's like, 
or that's a flashback to the Clone Wars and that's the Mandalorian. I was like, that makes a lot more sense. <laughs> and earlier in the episode, he is like, no droids. Yeah. When he when he's offered a ride with a droid, it's like, no droids. Uh-huh. I, I did like that. And that right then there, I was like, Molly's right. <laughs> she nailed it. Uh, but so because of that, those flashbacks and uh, what it seemed to look like was happening... We think maybe he was orphaned? So, yeah. She talks about how the excess Beskar from making his pauldron will be able to sponsor foundlings. And so... Don't really know what that means. Yeah, my guess is that they are found children. And he says he was a foundling. So I think maybe the Mandalorians tend to take orphans under their wing i mean that even kind of happened in legends with uh jango fett and jaster mareel and I, a lot of that was just because jaster mareel was boba fett's original name and then they like george lucas changed all of that in attack of the clones and so they were like well let's make jaster mareel this character and they kind of worked it into he's like the adopted grandfather of boba fett wow. uh <laughs> but like there is this idea that Mandalorians, the especially the honorable ones, will take in orphans and raise them to be Mandalorians. So I don't know. This really filled my head with stuff of like, I like the idea that he is not strictly a Mandalorian. He wasn't born on Mandalore. And because of that, he might feel a little uh, inferior. Mm-hmm. And that's why he leaves the helmet on. That's why he spends all of the money he just made to get new armor just one piece of new armor like it's important to him and i think he thinks that's his identity and i like the idea that the show is going to overall be about like what's more important to being a mandalorian is it your armor and your appearance or is it what you do and your actions and uh the bounties you choose to take or maybe don't yeah we'll talk about that at the end of the episode right so what uh do we see ig11 next um so after he gets the armor he goes to oh well we see uh, him try to ride the right I, I think the planet was called alcar 7 alakar 7 something like that i thought it was tatooine at first the starwars.com databank says it is a named 97th desert world uh <laughs> So yeah, he lands, he gets attacked by a blurg, and then the friendly old farmhand shows up to help him. And like they just went through so many Western tropes in this <laughs> episode. Uh, at the very beginning, when the cantina bar opens and everyone turns and looks at him, and then the bar fight, and like this is one where the the hero gets injured and a friendly farmhand nurses him back to health, and it's just a very truncated version of that. Mm-hmm. But then we immediately jump from that into you gotta tame your wild steed and yeah that was that was funny and i i get why they had to kind of like speed through that because they i mean there's no point in taking a bunch of time in the episode to show him learning how to ride an animal (laughs) but he was just like yeah your your ancestors rode what what was it mythosars mythosars and so then he has to like Put, set his ego aside and like steady, steady, steady and like kind of like just take a second 
uh, stop being, you know, big, big shot Mandalorian tough guy and like be nice to the animals so it'll let you ride it. Yeah, <laughs> but I think that that was uh, the Mythosaur line. I think that was really the point of the scene mm-hmm. is to, again, show this character's motivations because mm-hmm. uh, we can't see his face. He barely talks. He's he's giving up and he's like, can't I just get a speeder bike or a land speeder or something? And he's like, well, you know, real Mandalorians <laughs> rode giant dragons. I think you could handle a blurred. And immediately he's like, yeah, okay. And he does it. So mm-hmm. I think we're learning a lot about just his motivations through things like that. But Also, yeah. apparently all blurgs are female because the males are eaten. <laughs> I get, yeah, all, he said something about that and I was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, I guess male blurgs don't live super long. Yeah. But I, I like that you pointed out that he had to like calm down and approach it slowly. And that's a very... Uh, Jedi way of looking at things too. Not just Jedi, but Star Wars in general. It gave me Ezra vibes. Yes. I don't think the Mandalorian is force sensitive. (laughs) Or or Ezra. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) Don't start that rumor. But yeah, like I think that it was just about him centering himself, slowing down. Like that is just a message of Star Wars in general. Yeah. Um, Luke trying to use the force, you know, clear your mind, all that stuff. But once he gets his wild blurg tamed, uh, he's able to ride it to the, I don't know, not pirates, not raiders, like just outlaws, I guess, mm-hmm. to keep with the Western motif. And I did keep asking myself, like, why is this Ugnaught Kawil? Why is he helping the Mandalorian for free? And it's all about just like, well, ever since they showed up, like, they've been causing trouble and there will be peace if you are able to kick them out. Like, that's a very western thing too and samurai thing Mm -hmm. so he drops off the mandalorian he's looking at the camp and then ig11 strolls in (laughs) and he's he says something like oh there's already a a bounty hunter droid here he's like his first thought is like i gotta get get rid of this guy oh he's like you can almost hear his eyes roll like (laughs) oh a droid yeah and instantly i fell in love with ig11 um i i always liked ig88 and you can see him fight and move, and he's very scary in the Shadows of the Empire game. But still, I've always wondered, like, you know, in real life, how intimidating could that big skinny droid be? And the answer is very. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the way <laughs> he, like, revolves and is able to shoot multiple guns at a time, that, like, makes him pretty intimidating. Insanely formidable. Yeah, and also, like, I just loved... The way he moved and walked. Yes, that's it, what I was going to say. It looked like, I don't know, it, it, it didn't look... It didn't look like 3PO moving and walking. 3PO has like this human element to it. Yeah. IG-11 was like a, a robot meant to kill. Like mm-hmm. very stiff, uh, yeah. but fluid. It's hard to describe, but like I really liked the way that he moved, and then would just stop and shoot his arms around, and he yeah, it's like like you said, C three PO, and even K two S O has very fluid um, human like motion to them, but he is moving around like this stick made to shoot guns. Yeah, <laughs> I think they nailed the movement. I I really loved IG eleven. And then I liked the uh, their chemistry together. Mm-hmm. For 
Yeah, for a metal stick with guns and a man with a mask. Like, their relationship was a lot of fun just yeah. in those few minutes. And he, you know, he points out that he doesn't like droids, but immediately figures out that he has to work with this droid because they are way outnumbered. And he even says, like, you're pretty good for a droid, or, like, you're not bad for a droid, or something like that. Like, he's already getting over his prejudices. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But this is, like you talked about earlier, this is where we get to see that the Mando struggles. Mm-hmm. And uh, I-, I liked that a lot, that he, he gets shot by IG-11. There's a lot of times where he's pinned down. There's a great moment where they get to the door, and then they don't know that that big old blaster cannon is around the corner, and they're like, let's go, and they pop out, and he just goes, oh, and they get back in the cover. <laughs> like, he doesn't predict everything. Yeah. He IG- has a lot of trouble. IG-11 keeps trying to self-destruct. Yeah. And he keeps telling him not to. <laughs> that is for sure going to come back. Like, it was a fun joke right then and there. Uh, I'm going to predict now that despite what is about to happen between them, uh, I think they're going to swing back into being friends and IG-11 will self-destruct at some point to help save the day. That that feels like... You're already killing off a character that we haven't even gotten a chance to love all the way yet. <laughs> That's the uh, Chekhov's gun rule. Like, this is Chekhov's chest bomb. Yeah. Once you see it, like, it's gonna go off eventually. Or he'll try to use it and his little chest box will open up and it'll be gone, and oh. Mandalorian will have it, and he'll just like toss it and be like, no, you're sticking with me. I like that, because then it takes the trope a step further, or like, yeah, he'll open it up, and there will be something different inside. I like that, too. A, a heart. <laughs> <laughs> yep. A little, you solved it. A little love note. A little valentine. <laughs> just says, I love you, Mando. <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> So they, they get rid of all the outlaws, they go into the, the door, and they find the bounty, which we didn't mention is supposed to be 50 years old. And when they said that in the Warner Herzog scene, I was like, oh, thank goodness, it's not a kid. Yeah. Like, I was I was worried that the this would be like the old trope of the... Another the, trope. It yeah. is. I mean, the, the heartless mercenary winds up having to go after a child and then the child changes them forever and like makes them a better person. Yeah. It's just a story that's been done before. Well, that's another kind of misleading part about the sneak peeks that we got is we got that flashback that we know now as a flashback, but it was of a child. So you're thinking, oh, maybe this child is important somehow. And there's another like young girl that is in the trailers. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, she might be the thing. Yeah. But this is unique enough that i was like oh i'm on board (laughs) i like we need to put whatever our reaction footage for just this one part in this video oh yeah molly did record like us watching the whole thing i was just like okay yeah and like i didn't have any intense reactions until that very end scene where we see what the bounty is and like my jaw dropped and i was like is it a Yoda? What? I never in a million years would have guessed that. His species has just been surrounded in so much mystery that I was like, that's probably never going to pop up again. Or at least it'll be very rare. And I just I wouldn't have guessed that it would be the subject, a heavy subject of the Mandalorian. Yeah. And it raises so many questions. So like, 
in my review, I mentioned that like I'm kind of like that Larry David gif where I'm like struggling with is this good or bad? And ultimately I wind up on like, I'm very excited to see where this goes, but I'm like, I love the mystery surrounding Yoda's species. And I think that less is more in that situation. But also like I was so surprised and I'm excited at how surprised I got by it. And like, I just had so many feelings and emotions and I was like, I, I, I love this little guy already. And you know, IG 11, uh, didn't, well, yeah, he's like, he sees it and he's like, okay, found the bounty. And then the Mandalorian shoots him in the head. I mean, he's not gone forever, but he shoots him. We'll talk about that soon. Uh, because he's like, hold on a second now. And he like puts his hand out. And yeah, it's like he has a moment with a little. He's so cute. <laughs> it was very cute and very like I don't. It raises so many questions that that's why I'm like, yeah, this was a good decision. Uh, just and we'll talk about this in a second. I guess we can just keep talking about the episode because that I mean that's the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like I said at the beginning of this video. I was already enjoying it at the first scene, the first 10 minutes, and but just through the whole thing, I just got more and more and more excited. I thought they really did a great job of elevating things, and I'm so happy that there's substance here that's beyond just uh, a bounty hunter going on adventures mm-hmm. that I think we're really going to explore a lot with him and the Mandalorian people and their culture. And I think there's going to be a lot of really good messages in there. Uh, I mean, that, that really, that's really what is exciting me for the show. The, the idea of naming this, this show Mandalore is, <laughs> is making more and more sense because there's going to be so much lore in this show revolving the Mandalorians and this little tiny, I don't know what else to call it besides I, Baby I like Yoda. Baby Yoda. We'll uh, just, until he gets a name. <laughs> the, the Vanity Fair article said that they were calling it The Being. I think they were saying that to avoid spoilers. Sure. Because that that's a surprise that I hope people get to experience for themselves. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it really left me in anticipation for Friday. I'm glad we don't have to wait much longer for episode two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm also just glad that this is a weekly thing, twice a week this week, but the ability to build up this suspense a little bit is fun, and we can dissect what's going to happen, and in a second we'll talk about what we think is going to happen in the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, that wouldn't have happened if they just dropped all the episodes, and then we watched it all and been like, well, that was fun. <laughs> yeah, and it, you know, with that last scene, it kind of comes full circle with the idea of him being orphaned mm. he's now what if baby yoda's a new foundling and they're gonna make the first little yoda mandalorian will, helmet will with like little, cut, little ears popping will they out cu- yeah will they cut out holes for the ears if so i am down you have to <laughs> that's like this is gonna be well they age so slowly i guess this would have to be like <laughs> another 50 years does, in the future i mean does it talk i don't I have so many questions, but but yeah, he he discovers that the bounty is this orphaned uh, creature being thing, and 
immediately he's like, hold on. Yeah. Like, now he has this connection, this thing in common with this bounty, and everything's immediately more complicated. Yes. And yeah, that's a perfect reasoning for him to shoot IG-11. Although, like, I think it's still a little bit up in the air. The fact that he put his finger out and, like, wanted to hold hands with it shows a connection. But it's also, like, it could be a thing where they said it was worth more alive. Like, that that's one of the big questions now is, is he going to turn this bounty in or not? Is his own identity, I guess, as a Mandalorian, because he wants money so he can get more armor, uh, is that more important than his ideals? Like, I think he's going to be struggling with that probably in the next episode. Mm-hmm. My gut says he doesn't turn the baby in, but I don't know. I mean, I feel like the rest of the season might be about him figuring out what where to take it, what to do with it, and maybe along the way Cara Dune and her people decide to help and I don't I don't know. I don't know how centric this little baby Yoda is going to be right. for the overall story. I think my current guess is that he is going to actually turn the baby in. And then I think over the course of the series, he's going to just struggle with that decision and be like, that was wrong. I'm going to turn around and he's going to go save the baby and decide not to do that. I, that. That's my current guess. I don't think, I don't think he does that because once that baby Yoda gets into that creepy scientist guy's hands you know they're gonna do weird experiments on him uh, yeah because... i was gonna say like what do, what do you think the empire imperial remnant wants with this well i mean there's a good chance it's force sensitive I, I agree maybe they are trying to learn more about the force raise him to be a, a sith i don't the know tiny new emperor yeah i i, I honestly have no idea I, that's what my first thought was as well like he's probably force sensitive the only other two members of the species we've seen uh are force sensitive oh you got to talk about your (laughs) theory of (laughs) that it's yoda and yaddle's baby (laughs) uh my new ship is yodel so yoda and yaddle they had a secret affair and this is their baby (laughs) they uh they got together they they had a little too much uh jawa juice one night (laughs) Somebody spiked their Jawa juice, and something beautiful happened, and now it's in the Mandalorian. <laughs> <laughs> if its name is Yodel, we will know for His sure. His name is Yodel. <laughs> we, we can call it that for now. Uh, yeah, like, I, I do have a feeling it's Force-sensitive, and so they're probably, like, maybe every member of that species is Force-sensitive, and the Empire is trying to find out why mm-hmm. and see if there's a way to replicate that. Uh, that's the best guess I have right now. Yeah. Is it going to float toys? Oh, man. We've made this joke before about just like... I mean, it's 50, so maybe it'll float calculators or something. I don't know. Well, I I like (laughs) the idea that just in this next episode on the ship ride home, he's causing chaos in the Mandalorian's (laughs) ship. And he's like trying to fly. Yeah. But this little baby is floating all of his blasters around. (laughs) Like... Well, something else that I thought of, just like out of the blue, I I thought of the Clone Wars movie and how Ahsoka 
has to wear the the backpack with the little baby hut in it the whole time. I'm like, what? What if he like wears his, wears him like a backpack, <laughs> like Yoda? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know either. So like the it's so hard to guess. We've seen a bunch of other environments and things that don't involve this baby at all. So I'm like, that's why I kind of think maybe he's going to drop it off, go on a couple other adventures and decide he did wrong and go fix it. Uh, But also a lot of what we have seen in the trailers came from this episode. Yeah. So I'm like, who knows? They could do anything. One one other thought I had about IG-11 is he going to get shot in the head at the end of every episode? <laughs> it's like Giles and Buffy. He gets knocked out every time. <laughs> or just like really messed up in some shape or form in every episode. And eventually he'll have his own episode where like everything's about him. And he gets to talk about how much better he is than the other models, the other IG models. And I don't know. We'll see. I, I do want to talk about him because I absolutely don't think he's gone uh i i think he's going to be back in the next episode i remember a shot in the trailer of the razor crest being chased by another ship i bet ig11 is in that other ship maybe he has multiple models like ig88 did and when one gets blown up he his like a cylon his consciousness is sent to another one you don't think they're gonna be buddies not immediately. <laughs> Not after he shot him in the head and stole his bounty. Oh, that's another thing. Uh, we don't know a whole lot about the Bounty Hunters Guild in canon, but in the Boba Fett Age of uh, Rebellion comic, there's a whole plot about how one bounty hunter poached someone else's bounties, and that got him a death sentence. The Mandalorian just did that. Yeah. Grief Karga probably isn't going to be too happy with the Mandalorian. Once IG-11 gets the word out that uh, they agreed to split this bounty, and then I got shot in the head, and then he took the baby. Mm. (laughs) So that could cause a lot of problems for the Mando. Maybe one of the other characters that we meet along the way helps him reprogram IG-11. Maybe. And, And like this could... You joke, but he might find a heart along the way. And... I mean, like he might find a little redemption of his own. Yeah. I think that they probably will wind up friends again, but not for a minute. I think he's probably going to chase the Mandalorian around, try to get some revenge, and then something will happen where his ideals change, which will be interesting for a droid. But yeah, that's what I think. Yeah. Do you have anything else? I think we talked about everything. I think we did too. Do we want to do like our top three moments? Uh, sure. <laughs> just like throwing out stuff that we hadn't discussed, and uh, I got to think on the spot. I mean, my you top. Go, you go ahead. My top moment is Yodel, baby, baby Yoda, whatever we're gonna call him, because he's adorable and I love him to death. Um. Next to that, or do you want you want to go? Uh, I think probably just the whole action sequence outside of yodel's little area uh (laughs) with ig11 i i had so much fun watching that and i really liked the chemistry between the two bounty hunters yeah um i'll say the uh the blacksmith it's probably my second favorite part just because i think there's a lot to unwrap 
with with all that stuff. Yeah, honestly, I think Blacksmith might be my top moment. That that whole scene, there was so much happening in it, and it, I feel like, informed a lot of who the Mandalorian is and what we're going to learn about him, and it meant so much. It was just kind of like the turning point for me already, which usually in shows, I think it takes a while for me to get there where I'm like, okay, this is something great. Uh, that was the turning point where I was like, I'm enjoying this to like, oh, this can be something awesome. Yeah. And then I guess my third would be IG-11, just their chemistry together and his like self-destruct. Nope. Self-destruct. Nope. Mm -hmm. That's another reason. Like he was so ready to blow himself up. If he's got another copy of himself, like, sure. Why not? That's true. Um, My number three... Maybe maybe Brian Posehn, <laughs> honestly, like just that just him. made me so happy. Yeah, because I know how big of a Star Wars fan he is, and like, I don't know, I, I knew it meant a lot to him. Yeah, it's true. So yeah, any any big um, predictions for next episode? I think I made them all. Do you think we'll see Cara Dune in the next one? Gosh, I hope so. I do too. <laughs> Bring in the ladies. Yeah, like. She looks awesome in all the trailers and stuff, but she's been featured so rarely in the trailers. And I, I'd be happy to get that the Twilight creepy looking lady with the knife. Yeah, her and Bill Burr, like another comedian. Yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I remember when they were talking about the characters at Celebration and Kara when she was like, or Gina Carano, when she's like, Kara is an ex-rebel shock trooper. Everyone went, Oh, like <laughs> that was very intriguing and yeah. I want to meet her. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Good stuff. I, I guess <laughs> that's it for our first episode of Mandalore or whatever, it's... our untitled Mandalorian show. Yeah. Uh, we talked for slightly longer than the episode actually was. <laughs> <laughs> Which someone actually uh, predicted that your review video would be longer than the episode itself but here we go yeah didn't want to disappoint him so we <laughs> we just sat down and recorded for almost 50 minutes uh but yeah thank you guys for hanging out and listening let us know what you thought about uh this long format and about chapter one so we, i was surprised that it was just chapter one no yeah. episode title yeah. but that's fine let us know any other topics formats you want to see from this little like after show show that we're gonna do i i just threw in the the top three moments and the predictions at the end at the end there so i don't know and uh we will be releasing audio commentaries for all these episodes as well we have been doing clone wars commentaries but we're gonna take an eight week break from that and do the mandalorian because that's what everyone's excited about so that'll be released to our patrons every week and uh i don't know we'll try to get the first episode out soon (laughs) yeah and you know if you're interested in looking into our patreon the link will be down below in the description yeah but yeah if you want even more mandalorian talk from us that's where it'll be but thank you guys so much for watching may the force be with you and we we have have spoken spoken.